0: Welcome to Victor Christian Center's audio podcast. We hope this message encourages you, and we look forward to connecting with you on social media or FCCFMD.com. Don't we? And so we just give as the Lord has given to us. We give with a cheerful heart and the Lord tells us that it'll be given back to us, pressed down, shaken together and running over. And so just a reminder, we have our donation box in the back. You can stop that on your way out this morning, but we're going to jump back into the series that we've been uh, in for the past couple of weeks. And so we are in um, the building blocks of our faith. We're looking through the 16 fundamental truths of the assemblies of God. And so I want to see this morning, if you can remember your verse from last week and where it was found. It was a shorter verse, but I am seeing some more Bibles this morning. So give yourself a pat on the back. for bringing those with you today. Uh, If you remember your verse, anybody remember what book it was found in? Titus Titus 2.11 says for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men in the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men aren't you thankful for that truth this morning Amen. and so before we get into the sixth Fundamental truth today. Uh, We're going to do a little bit of review. And so I brought some of my son's favorite building blocks with me today. At least they used to be his favorite. Now he likes to build with Minecraft blocks on the computer. But uh, they used to be one of his favorite things to play with. And so even though he's outgrown them a little bit, we still keep them. Around the house, but I'm looking for a brave soul who thinks that you can remember the first five fundamental truths that we've gone over so far and put them in order, starting with the first one on the bottom and building upward. Anybody up for the challenge? Think you can do it? Anybody? Brave soul. You're not grading on it. We're not going to give you a test on it. Promise. Cheryl do it. Anybody? Anybody? The scripture
1: inspired. Oh, you gotta come up and put them come on. You gotta.
0: You have to build them. The scripture inspired. The one that you're about. Is that right? We have the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's two more. We yeah, have the salvation of man and the fall of man. The fall of man and the salvation of man. All right. How do you think she did? The scriptures inspired, the one true God, the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, the fall of man, and the salvation of man. What do you think? She got them. All five. She got them in order. Maybe she should uh, go get some... Applications to fill out for credentials through the assemblies. There you go. All right. So the scriptures inspire the one true God, the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, the fall of man, and the salvation of man. And so today we're going to take a look at the six fundamental truths, the building blocks of our faith. We're going to look at the ordinances of the church. And so first we have to define an ordinance. Right. What is an ordinance? In a governmental sense, it's a decree or a law. It's basically an order, something that you have to follow. And so as citizens, we abide by many ordinances and laws that govern us, right? Things that are set forth by our county government. So there are certain building and zoning regulations and ordinances that we have to follow. There are certain noise ordinances that we have to follow. And so all of those things are found within the county's code. You read through and you see ordinance after ordinance. And I can remember when I worked in county government, I had to familiarize myself with that code and I had to familiarize myself with what those ordinances were and it became like a handbook. For me. And so, in much the same way, we have to familiarize ourselves with scripture and with the code that God has given to us because we have some ordinances that as a church we follow because they're outlined in the Word of God. One of those ordinances is baptism. And so, there are many denominations out there, there are many churches out there who believe that you can um, get baptized as. A baby and so a lot of denominations refer to this as a a sprinkling and there are some people out there who believe that this act of sprinkling water on a baby can actually save you that it can save your soul and as we've already discussed you can read throughout scripture and we know that it's by grace alone that we're saved it's not by anything that we can do we have to make a confession with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead so can a can make that confession? No, they're not at the age yet that they can do that. And so baptism, as we'll see in just a moment, is an outward sign of an inward transformation. Last week, we talked about the internal and external evidences of salvation. And so baptism is one of those external signs that you've made a decision to follow Jesus. It's where after surrendering your heart and your life to Jesus, you make a public declaration of that decision. By following him in believers baptism and so we believe in baptism by immersion because that is what scripture teaches in fact if you looked up that word "baptize" in the Greek it means to immerse or submerge in water. Jesus gives us this command in Matthew 28 19 in the Great Commission he tells us to do what to go therefore and make disciples of all nations doing what baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit Jesus himself was baptized by John the Baptist And it was during this event we talked about a few weeks ago, we saw that beautiful picture of the Trinity where Jesus, the Son of God, is there being baptized. The Holy Spirit descends on him in the form of a dove and the voice of God the Father speaks from heaven and says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. If you look at Romans chapter 6 and verse 4, scripture says, therefore, we were buried with him. Who's he talking about? We were buried with Jesus in baptism, through baptism, into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Our old self is now dead to sin. We've buried it. And now we're going to walk to a new life in Jesus, buried with him in baptism and raised to walk a new life. Aren't you thankful for that new life this morning? Baptism is an outward sign that we turn from our old ways, from our sinful life and we've now decided to follow Jesus and the path that he has laid out for us putting on the new self which Paul describes in Ephesians as righteousness and holiness and so if you've made that decision to follow Jesus but you've never followed in believers baptism and you would like to do so uh, we have a baptismal service that's coming up in mid-September so you can come see me if you're interested in doing that. I had someone reach out to me this week, asking about baptism. And so we were walking through what that looks like and why we why we get baptized and what, what it signifies to the world around us. And so I was sharing uh, with this father about the baptism of his children, <laughs> explaining that it's an outward sign that we've made a decision to follow Jesus. And he said, Pastor, we've decided. We've made up our minds. Yeah. We're going to follow Jesus. Yeah. And we want people to know that that is our decision. And so Paul, uh, we we see this um, in that first ordinance. We follow Jesus through believers' baptism. The second ordinance is holy communion. Baptism and then holy communion, which is sometimes referred to as the Lord's Supper. So Paul reminds us that each time we partake of those elements of communion, we proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. When we partake communion, we join with him in his suffering. And so here's what Paul says to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 30, which just so happens to be this week's verse. So if you're taking notes, you can jot that down. Paul says this in Ephesians 5 and verse 30. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Think about that for a minute. We are members of the body of Christ, of his flesh and of his bones. And so the two elements that are involved in Holy Communion are the bread and then the cup of juice, the bread representing the body of Christ, the body of Jesus, the bread of life, the one who allowed his own body to be brutally beaten for us. Listen to the prophecy that Isaiah gave to us in Isaiah chapter 53 regarding the beating of the Messiah. He said, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are what? We are healed. His body was beaten. Beyond recognition, he was stripped of his clothing and he was whipped with a scourging device, which is uh, sometimes referred to as a cat of nine tails. It was common for Roman soldiers to whip their prisoners like this prior to a crucifixion. And so you can see on the screen over here on your right is a a picture of what one of those whips might have looked like it was a whip with nine leather straps attached to it and to each of those straps were tied broken bone even shards of metal and you can see some of the metal shards that would have been tied to one of those leather straps there were also some metal ball bearings that would first come in contact with the skin and when they would hit it It would bruise the skin, the skin would swell, and then these metal shards would tear it open as they wrapped around the flesh of that individual. According to Roman custom, their prisoners received 39 lashes, and each time those nine strands would wrap from their side all the way around their back, exposing the flesh. 39 lashes was the maximum that could be given because it was thought that 40 would kill a man. It was also said that Roman soldiers were thought that if they did not kill a man after 40 lashes, that they themselves would be killed. So they would sometimes stop at 39. Jesus received the maximum amount of lashes, according to the apostle Paul, 30 lashes less one. Can you imagine being so brutally wounded your flesh being ripped open and then pressed against a rough wooden cross. His body was broken, and it was bruised for us, for our redemption, for our salvation, for our healing. As Isaiah said, it is by his stripes that we are healed. Brings a different meaning to his stripes, doesn't it? When you see the device with which he was wounded the cup represents the blood of Jesus that was poured out for the remission of our sin scripture says for without the shedding of blood there could be no remission of sin and so when the soldiers came to the cross After Jesus was crucified, they didn't break his legs as was customary. And by not doing so, they fulfilled an Old Testament prophecy that said not one of the Messiah's bones would be broken. See, soldiers would come up to the cross of those that they had crucified and sometimes break their legs to kind of speed up their death. Because if their legs were broken, they could no longer press up and inhale to breathe. And so they would very quickly suffocate. But when they came to Jesus, he was already dead. So they took a spear and they pierced his side and outflowed water and blood. That blood represents the redemptive power of Jesus. That water represents the new life that he offers to us. And so each time that we observe the Lord's Supper, each time that we partake in Holy Communion, we reflect on the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And in doing so, we proclaim the prophecy that he will come again. But in doing so, we take it with much caution. Because you see, the Apostle Paul issues a very strict warning concerning Communion. And this is why we take a moment to reflect and search our hearts before we partake it, before we consume those elements. Here's what he says in First Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 27. He says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. That's a pretty strong warning to us, isn't it? He goes on in verse 30 and says, It's for this reason that many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. We take caution before we receive communion. And we say, Lord, is there anything in my life? Is there any area in my heart, anything that I just haven't wanted to deal with, that I just need to lay out on the table, anything that I need to bring to the altar before I accept what it is that you have done for me? And so the sixth fundamental truth of the Assemblies of God is the ordinances of the church. Baptism by water and holy communion. Paul reminds us that because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we can declare that we are members of his body, flesh of his flesh, and bone of his bone. So we're going to take a moment this morning to just reflect and quiet our hearts we have some music that's gonna play and I'm gonna ask Dan if you would grab the communion elements that are in the back and if you didn't get one on the way in, just slip up your hand and Dan will make sure that you get a cup and some bread and we're just gonna take a moment and ask the Lord to search our hearts today before we observe communion would you take a moment and do that this morning Jesus, as we reflect on this sacrifice, we thank you that you so willingly went to Calvary in our place, Lord. we can only imagine the suffering that you endured for us. So, Lord, this morning we ask that you search our hearts, search our lives. God, if there is any ounce of wickedness within us, we ask that you purge it today. That, Lord, you forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Scripture says that you are faithful and just to forgive us. So Lord, we ask for your forgiveness this morning. Scripture says, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he says, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus, we thank you today for your body that was broken. Lord, for all of those lashes that you endured. For the nails that hung you on that cross. Father, we thank you today that you've considered us flesh of your flesh and bone of your heart. We are members of your body. And so today we say thank you. Thank you for becoming our atonement. Would you take a knee, and as you do, do it in remembrance of all that Jesus has done for you. Same way he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, Jesus. Today we thank you for your precious blood that was poured out for us. That Jesus, just one drop of your blood is enough to cleanse us and wash our hearts white as snow. We thank you that it is through your blood that we find forgiveness and redemption and salvation. That it's through your blood that we find our healing and our deliverance. And so, Lord, today I pray that you would wash us in the power of your blood so as you take and drink today, would you do so in remembrance of what his blood has done? a moment and thank Him. Thank You for His sacrifice. Father, Jesus You're close to The altar i that we partake of these elements that we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again How many of you are thankful that we have a soon coming King He reigns victorious He's seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father and He's interceding for us even now His death ends in victory victory that we can walk in each and every day of our lives and so jesus today we thank you that you reign triumphant we thank you that you are victorious we thank you lord that we are more than conquerors because you have loved us and so today lord we thank you for your body we thank you for your blood that was poured out to cover us and lord we thank you that you have brought us into your family That you have called us your sons and your daughters. That we are co-heirs with Christ. We thank you for your grace and for your mercy. And so Lord, today I pray that we would embrace that and we would walk in it with confidence that you loved us. That we are loved because you are love and because of what you have done for us. Lord, as we leave this place, may we walk out of here victorious because of all that you've done for us. We thank you that your story didn't end on Calvary, but you went to that tomb, and three days later, you rose from that grave. We thank you for the hope. We thank you for the promise that we have in your resurrection. And so, Lord, I pray that as we leave today, we would walk in the power and the anointing of your spirit. Would you go before us today, we ask. And God's people said amen Amen. and amen. Friends, we love you. We hope you have a beautiful, beautiful week. Make sure you walk confident in victory today. Amen Amen. amen. Thank you for listening to Victor Christian Center's audio podcast. We look forward to connecting with you on our social media or at FCCFMD.com.